first off, I'd just like to say, I know I already bid my goodbyes to Jay's talk this past weekend, but uh, circumstances are such, Blake, mostly thanks to uh, Mother Nature, that I'm back with you uh, for a privileged, uh, relatively short edition of the post-game show. Um, I'm pleased to be doing it with uh, none other than you, certainly, as we discuss game one of today's doubleheader on the very last day of the regular season. Uh, if nothing else, Blake, I think this game serves as a very lovely reminder or maybe a preview of what games with a pitch clock could in theory look like in 2023. Yeah, they were not. I mean, they were in a hurry early and then they were very much not in a hurry. No. Uh, Brian Baker, thanks. Thankfully works fairly quickly, but DL Hall uh, and Gillespie before him just taking their sweet time. We thought at one point that was going to be a lightning fast game. Like yeah. I think we were in the fourth or the fifth inning and it was like an hour 10 in. And then, uh, yeah, things slowed right down. Mitch White, not the fastest worker either. Uh, no, he does not. He's not a fan of the pace of play, as far as we've learned today. Uh, welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network show. Ali, Blake Murphy with you as, as we discuss the last few remnants of the 2022 regular season. Give us a call, 416-870-0590, 590 on your cellular device, 590-590, of course, is the text line. Please leave your name and location if you do decide to shoot us a text message. We're here until essentially a few minutes before first pitch of game two of this doubleheader, but still a couple of things to get through. Uh, certainly Gabriel Moreno. We can talk about Bradley Zimmer, the bullpen, certainly. Um, I see a text here on the uh, text line here. And okay, so Mitch White, a text on Mitch White and a text on Zimmer. But this one made, made me laugh from Paul in Toronto. Not to slight him as a person. But is Zimmer the worst history hitter in the history of the Blue Jays? I don't know if I'm going to go that far, Blake. But at the same time, like I, I don't know. Like far be it for me to point at one single error and say, okay, you're off the playoff roster because of that one thing. But on the Jorge Mateo triple in the seventh, he had a real tough time picking up that ball with a bare hand. And I, I admit to you, and I have said this to you before, I was always more prone to Jackie Bradley Jr. Anyway, in terms of his eye at the plate, he's drawn a few walks this year, his sure handedness in the outfield. He did. I believe he had a hit the very next, uh, very next half inning. Um, I can't imagine there will be many situations where JBJ is in the starting lineup anyways, but if you had to pick one, I think I got to imagine most people are going JBJ over Zimmer. Yeah. I mean, it's just not going to come up is the, is the actual answer, but yes, Jackie Bradley. And this is kind of the Bradley Zimmer thing all season long, right? Is um, there are a lot of, players you'd rather have over the course of an entire game than Bradley Zimmer. However, the Jays, as they've maintained all year, and as I've been tracking as he nears historic baseball history in the second half of, uh, of this doubleheader, perhaps we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, it's uh, he has utility in very specific micro situations and that matters in the playoffs and, and it can seem silly to keep a guy on your roster all season long and play him. If he plays in the second game, that'll be his hundredth game with the blue Jays. Believe it or not, he got into a hundred games. Um, yeah, it's just, there's a specific utility as a, a runner and defense replacement. I guess it's, it's good that they've been playoff focused this whole year to keep him. But yeah, it, when it comes down to him or Jackie Bradley jr. Uh, or both on the, the playoff roster, I, I don't, I don't really know how you could feel super passionately either way. No, yeah, you're probably right. Again, like it's not going to be something that, like you said, matters all that much in the playoffs anyways. But as we know, the uh, active roster for the playoffs is 26 people and a maximum of 13 of those players can be pitchers. It, it, it just feels likely 
that perhaps you will see less than 13 pitchers on this roster in favor of a couple of additional position players. And one of those guys, I don't know if this answers any lingering questions for you is Gabriel Moreno. Certainly right. He jacks the, the home run. He rounding third, looking very happy in the, in the blue Jays dugout. He just, he looked good today. And again, it's limited action. It's a relatively speaking, small sample size, but does that change your mind or was your mind already made up? You think? No, um, my mind was already leaning toward, I, I want Gabriel Moreno, at least on the wild card roster. Um, I think again, the opportunity to use one of your pinch runners, like, like if you're making the case for Zimmer or Jackie Bradley jr. Or, you know, outfield bench outfielder X um, part of that is, well, the pinch running value. But then if you don't have the extra catcher so you can't pinch run for Danny Jansen and or Alejandro Kirk, they kind of have to go together. Um, I also think, you know, you saw there that if he's pressed into duty, Moreno is pretty athletic fielding the position. Yeah. Uh, he threw out a runner, whether or not that was actually an out on the replay. It's it's it was a little tough to tell, um, but I thought he looked fine. And I think the biggest thing is honestly that he's been sitting for a long time and the sharp approach at the plate that we've credited him for uh, in his Blue Jays since that we've heard scouts and people like that talk about uh, that hasn't gone away after uh, after a month or so of sitting on the bench. By the way, to the text question, I do have an answer. Okay. I was able to look what, that the up. the worst hitter in Blue Jays history? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so this is... Pardon the arbitrary cutoff. This is minimum 97 plate appearances because okay. that's how many plate appearances Bradley Zimmer has now. Golden Sombrero today, by the way. I didn't realize he struck out all four times. Um, three players have been worse over that much playing time. Okay. And this is adjusted for era. So we're using OPS plus here. Kevin Cash in 2003 had a negative OPS plus. Uh, he hit 142, 179, 198. Bradley Zimmer's uh, numbers are a little worse than that, but he plays in a lower offensive environment. Um, Bob Davis in 1979 and Luke Maley in 2017. Wow. <laughs> uh, Luke Maley in 2019 Goodness. is also on the list. Bradley Zimmer is sandwiched by Luke's Maley. Which, uh, yeah, if you wonder why some teams were maybe okay with playing the Cleveland Guardians instead of the Toronto Blue Jays in the okay. first round, yeah. it's the fact that that guy is going to be a part of some of those lineups. So I guess uh, you think you think uh, you know the the Guardi- Guardians talk right now is is discussing whether or not to, as we discuss Zimmer and, and JBJ they're discussing Luke Maley over I don't know Austin Hedges or no something like that. I mean Austin Hedges will probably start but um, all of those names that I just said are catchers right. And I think we can all understand that historically having a light hitting backup catcher is something people understand and understand the value of Kevin cash is a a manager. Now Luke Maley is either going to be a manager or a broadcaster when he's done. Yeah. Um, You know, our pal Caleb Joseph was basically a a taxi squad vibes coordinator. And now a broadcaster um, once his bat kind of, once he kind of transitioned out of being able to, to hit at that level, Bradley Zimmer has the worst non-catcher offensive season in Blue Jays history now. Again, minimum 97 plate appearances because that's how many he's played. You know who else is on that list, actually? Really, really close. Right. Carlos Delgado. Really? 1995. (laughs) Um, But again, Carlos Delgado, if you remember back then, what position did he play? 
I don't know that he was still catching in 1995, but he was a catching prospect. A prospect, And that was early in his career. So um, maybe Bradley Zimmer ends up being Carlos Delgado. Maybe not. (laughs) Something tells me he will not end up being Carlos Delgado. Also, my favorite player um, in Blue Jays history, Carlos Delgado. I see a text here. Mark from Toronto. I know a big hesitation around Moreno is game management and pitch calling. Couldn't they take that away from him and call from the bench? They could. And in the pitchcom era, that's a little easier. You also have guys like uh, Gosman, Manoa, Stripling, who, while they are very different pitchers, um, we've heard over the course of the year that those guys are, if not helping you call the game, calling it for you. You know, Manoa and Kirk have such a good chemistry, and Manoa's talked about this. It's because Kirk guesses right at what he knows what Manoa is going to want to throw. And as Manoa said on the, the blue Jays broadcast on Sportsnet the other day, uh, when Dan Schulman and Buck were Buck Martinez were talking right. to him. Um, if it's not the first pitch he throws down the second one, Kirk knows what Manoa is going for. So um, there's an element of that Gosman and stripling as veteran guys call their own stuff a little bit more stripling because he throws a million pitches to a million different locations. Um, you could take some of that out. The, the truth is, is that, Gabriel Moreno is probably not going to catch more than an inning or two, even if he's on the roster. Um, but yeah, you you give him some help in, in that case, for sure. Uh, some news to pass along as well as we get set for game two. Arden tweeting this out. Arden Spelling of Sportsnet, of course. Blue Jays v. Orioles 2 will begin at 4 p.m. Eastern. And the starter will be Whoa! David Phelps. David Phelps getting the start for game two tonight. It does make you wonder then, if you look at the usage of the bullpen in today's game, and you and I were kind of talking about this during the game, we saw Trevor Richards go for bottom one. He opened Adam Simber, Jimmy Garcia, Jordan Romano in order. And then Mitch White went bottom five, six, seven, and eight. Maybe Mitch White actually doing us all a favor by eliminating the bottom of the ninth inning. Maybe I'm not going to, that's neither here nor there perhaps, but, but because Trevor Richards and a bunch of the other relatively high leverage relievers got just an inning of work to stay fresh. It does make you wonder maybe if Phelps is getting the start, maybe it might be a similarly mapped thing where Kikuchi is going to get the last four innings and you might see other guys pitch one innings, three batters, or a handful of batters for the first four innings. Perhaps. Yeah. So the guys I'd be looking at after Phelps are Bass and Pop. Uh, both of those guys haven't pitched since Sunday. Uh, in Pop's case, he's only pitched once in the last six days. Right. So he probably would like to get an inning of work. I'd imagine Bass does too. Although Bass, um, like Adam Simber, who pitched in the first game and tied Emmanuel Classe for the league lead in appearances this year with 77, um, you know, Bass could at could conceivably just want the extra rest again. Like we said, pregame, I think this is probably a John Schneider going down the bullpen and being like, do you want an inning? Do you want an inning? Do you want an inning? Um, so Zach pop, Anthony bass would be the guys I'd look at. Tim Mesa pitched on Monday, but I wonder if maybe he doesn't want a, a couple batters of work too. And then, yeah, beyond those guys, you're looking at Kikuchi and 29th man, Casey Lawrence, Casey Lawrence. Yeah. I think I would, I would think Casey Lawrence is the guy you see pitch either last or second. Like if it's Kikuchi and Lawrence or Lawrence, then Kikuchi, it's gotta be the game will likely end in some order with those two guys. I would think. Yeah. It's like Mitch white was going until he couldn't go anymore yeah. tonight. And maybe, you know, if the Jays were up heading into the bottom of the ninth, conceivably there's a situation where they throw one of those other guys in to get them the save. Um, and, and I know you don't manage to the stats over 160 games on a day like this. If a guy has an opportunity to get his first career save or something like that, that's what the Orioles did. Uh, I can't imagine they intended to use Brian Baker who's pitched a lot this year in, in this game, but you get a chance to get a guy as his first career save. You do it. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I think this one's pretty straightforward. Phelps, then some combination of Bass, Pop, Mesa, and then you turn it over to the long guys. What do you think, just before we, we continue with the text line, and I see a call here on the, uh, on the phone lines as well, but what do you think Mitch White's role is for next season? I think we can both agree that he's almost assuredly not going to be on the playoff roster. So if we do look ahead to next year, what do you think? I mean, because you look back at what, I, I don't want to necessarily draw the comparison to Stripling only because he is a swingman who used to play for the Dodgers. But having said that, like, I, I, you know, Stripling had a track record even when he was with Los Angeles. Mitch White's track record was, and not that it was bad, it just it was very, very, very small and short, right? A very short sample size. So when you look ahead to what he can be for the Blue Jays in 2023, I mean, I, you would certainly hope it's not in the rotation. I think you hope for some bolstering there. But I just wonder what your what your thoughts are on what Mitch White can be in 2023. Yeah, I, and I remain fairly high on Mitch White. I think he has to do some, you know, whether it's a drive line, whether it's the, the complex in Dunedin, he's got some stuff to work on. And, and I think, you know, I had a conversation with Ross Stripling maybe a month ago now on Jay's Talk Plus, and Stripling said, well, he thinks Mitch White is, you know, a change up away. Now, that's a pretty big piece to be away. Um, but I do think you look at Mitch White's repertoire and the slider is pretty effective. Today wasn't the best day for it, but it has good numbers over his career. The change up, he doesn't throw a lot. He obviously doesn't have the confidence in that yet. Maybe it's because the sinker isn't there yet to set the change up up. Um, but the change up has good shape. It is, you know, it profiles as a good pitch once he gets more comfortable with it. Um, he needs to flesh that change up out and he needs to figure the sinker out to set that up because as much as we hear about how it's a, you know, a kind of a lively fastball for 94, 95, there just isn't any movement on it. And right. you can't throw a flat fastball in the mid nineties, 40, 50% of the time in 2022 and, and get away with that. Yeah. A lot of people, I think agreeing that, uh, Mitch White, probably should not be in the playoff roster as well. The text line here, it's, right? It's, at, it's not happening. At least for the wild card round, it is really hard to see a scenario where you'd use him. Again, as you get into later playoff series that run longer, maybe you see a potential utility for a guy who can eat some innings up. But at this point, I think even for that, and this sounds hilarious given he has an ERA of five and a half out of the bullpen and walks a lot of guys and gives up home run. I, I would think you say Kikuchi's ahead of Mitch White in terms of that mop up role. Yeah, I, I would I would think so too, right? He just I feel like there's more potential there with the with the speed he throws at lefties. He still gets strikeouts even when he struggles. So maybe there's still something to be molded there. But yeah, I mean you see a lot of the texts here. I mean, there's uh I think there's one uh, yeah, uh, Graham and Toronto, not a big fan. Other guys are not big fans. Well, Rachel how, Brampton as well. Let's hear if he's a big fan of this. Getting the start in left field today. Okay. For game two. Gabriel Moreno. <laughs> I love it. There you go. I love it. That is, uh, that's, that's cool. Do you want, I have the lineup let's here if yeah, you'd like it. it. So uh, Otto Lopez is going to get the nod at leadoff and play second. Okay. Bo Bichette back in at shortstop. As we talked about earlier, uh, you only have 14 guys, so you can't sit everyone for, both games. So Boba will play shortstop, hit second. Tay Oscar Hernandez gets a DH day. Matt Chapman back at third. Danny Jansen catches Kevin Biggio at first because Vlad is off. Right. Gabriel Moreno hitting seventh and starting in left field. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. in right again and Bradley Zimmer in center. So uh, Vlad draws out. Jansen gets the catch. Uh, Whit Merrifield gets to sit for a spell here. Rymel Tapia gets the second half off and we see a couple uh, other guys. And to your question earlier in the pregame show, George Springer gets them both off. 
there you go. And I, probably for the best with someone like Springer, who has been dealing with chronic injuries for the whole season and probably will for the rest of his career. I think ahead of the playoffs, when you want someone like Springer, who has been Mr. October for much of his career in Houston, you want that guy as healthy as humanly possible. So yeah, no problems for me with Springer getting the day off. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cellular device. Jeffrey calling in from Aurora. Jeffrey, welcome to JSTOCK. Hello there. How are you? How's it going, Jeff? What do you want to talk about? Good. Uh, well, I was going to talk about Kevin Biggio, but I'm still in awe over the, the, the numbers uh, behind Bradley Zimmer. I'm still <laughs> on the, the whole Luke Maley thing. Wow, I didn't. That was a surprise hearing that. Anyway, I wanted to talk about Kevin Biggio at third base today for the first game. Let's do it. Yeah. So in the beginning of the season last year, he was brought up to, to play third because they had Marcus Semyon for the year. Um, he got hurt in that, um, in that, uh, in the year. And this year it was kind of decided what he would be more of the, was it on the right side? We've also seen him play, um, primarily second, first couple of stints in right field. Um, is this just, a? is this like, is this something that, um, on third, on a game like today, is it just a managerial thing, or is it also just a testament to Biggio's utility? Yeah, I think, I think mostly they're done with Biggio at third base at this point. If Espinal were healthy, he would have gotten uh, the look there. It's just a matter of you're trying to rest guys, and Biggio does have that ability to play there in a pinch. I do think the way you lay that out, though, and that decision, um, that highlights why Santiago Espinal, even if he's not 100%, maybe has a role in the postseason because if you need someone at third, short, or second, he is your best option at all of those. By the way, show, Mitch Mitch White, option to AAA. Uh, so he's we can remove him from our discussions about uh, wild card roster. Trent Thornton is go. activated as an extra long man here. Um, but yeah, Mitch White, option down. So that answers the question as to whether or not he will be a part of plans going forward, I would think. And yeah, Trent Thornton recalled from Buffalo. Maybe that also answers the question on whether or not Tim Meza pitches, for example, because you did say Tim Meza. I mean, maybe it's possible they all pitch and it's just maybe less outings for someone like Kikuchi, like a less longer outing for Kikuchi or Lawrence. We'll have to see, but it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see how they implement the bullpen. Because like you said, I think a lot of it is just maintenance tune-up days today before an off day tomorrow, certainly. And then the playoffs begin on Friday. Let's take a very quick break. When we come back, we will continue with the text line 590-590 name and location. Still some time to shoot us some text messages and we will read the Bet365 standings update. Just take a quick look around the already locked in playoff matchups around Major League Baseball. But you're listening to Jay Stock Show and Blake on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And now the Bet365 standings update. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book. 63 million members worldwide. 19 plus play responsibly. Ontario only. Well, the uh, standings are set. The standings are locked in. We know all the playoff matchups. So we'll do something a little differently and just look at the actual playoff picture around Major League Baseball. It is officially set in the American League. The Houston Astros and the New York Yankees are the one and two seeds respectively. Uh, the Blue Jays are and Mariners are locked into the four five matchup at Rogers Center. The Guardians and Rays are locked up locked into the three six matchup at Progressive Field. 
So the winner of Jays Mariners will take on the Astros at Minute Maid, Minute Maid Park. Uh, I believe the series, I believe the ALDS begins next uh, Tuesday, I believe. is a day off on Thanksgiving Monday. And uh, Guardians and Rays, the winner of that series, will go to New York to take on the Yankees. In the NL, the Dodgers and Braves are the one and two seeds, respectively. Cards get the third seed. They take on the Phillies, and the Mets get the fourth seed, and they take on the Padres. That's a quick check of the bet 365 standings update. Let's get to a couple texts before we go here, Blake. I see one here from, uh, I think this is from Ian in Toronto. Can you guys discuss what you think is the likely best option for next year in the catcher's position? I.e. with Moreno coming up, hopefully is someone out? Is it Jansen or Cork or is Moreno dangled for some starting pitching or does something change there? Well, Ian, keep an eye on left field in game two here. <laughs> um, I joke, but uh, they have been trying to get Gabriel Moreno some reps at different positions in the infield, in the outfield. He was originally an infielder. Um, I think this is one of those ones you don't force yourself to make a decision because the catching position does have a high attrition rate. Um, Danny Jansen was hurt a couple times the last few years. So were, so was Gabriel Moreno. Um, but if you need to fortify your starting rotation or you need to address a different position and you're aiming high, one of these three catchers would have a big return coming back on the trade market. I just don't think it's something you go into the off season feeling you have to fix. Uh, if the, if the opportunity's there, sure. Otherwise uh, you're always going to need three. Hey, Tyler Heineman and Zach Collins saw, <laughs> saw starts on this team this year. Uh, you can never have too many catchers. I know Danny Jansen ran into the injuries and so on this year. He had two injuries. If you had the oblique injury, I believe, and then he had the ball off the finger on his left hand. I know that's just, those are just like freak injuries. What are you going to do? But if he is healthy, I honestly don't think it's out of the realm of conversation that maybe you were talking about Danny Jansen hitting like 35 home runs this year. He's, he was he was phenomenal and very hot. I know players are streaky, but Danny Jansen, I think, I would love to see him stay on the Blue Jays in 2023. Yeah, and I, I've always got the impression that he's someone that the team values a lot for his game calling, um, for his defense back there. Alejandro Kirk has kind of caught up with him in some of the metrics, some of the ways we can metric, measure catchers. Um, but look, man, you, you always need catchers. And when you have three who can hit well, that's uh, it's a pretty big luxury. Let's see how Moreno looks in left field today. I'm very, I'm way more excited for this game than I was before finding that out. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to seeing Moreno in left field. I guess all those fly balls he was shagging in uh, practice and batting practice and so on at Rogers center is going to pay off because he is in left field today. That's Blake Murphy. That does it for Jay's talk. Appreciate the interaction as always. Thanks for listening to blue Jays baseball served up by the always game ready. Jack links meets next feature wild side baseball fans. Jay's drop game one to the O's five to four game two follows us with David Phelps on the mound. Blair and Barker will put a bow on the regular season afterwards. Enjoy more Blue Jays baseball. Gabriel Moreno in left field. We're going to enjoy it. We'll see you at the Rogers Center on Friday. All right. Well, we finally got that over with Kevin Barker. 162 games in the bag. The Toronto Blue Jays, 92 and 70. 18 games over 500 under John Schneider. They were four over. When the managerial change was made, the 92 wins, if you're interested, the most by a Jays team since 93 wins in 2015. 1993, they had 95 wins. So, the times are set. The games are set. Friday, 4.07. Saturday, 4.07. Sunday, 2.07 if necessary. The Seattle Mariners taking on the Blue Jays in the best of three series at the Rogers Center. Lots to talk about. Maybe not so much about this game, but just putting a bow in the 2022 
regular season. We want you to do that with us. The numbers are 416 870 590 is the text line. And star 590 for calling from your cell. And a couple of our talking points today. Well, first of all, I've asked folks for their confidence level going in against the Mariners. 1 to 10. What's your confidence level in the Jays winning this series? It's got to be pretty high, I would think. I'm sure there would be somebody out there who will be slightly more pessimistic than I am. But what's your confidence level? And give me an idea of some of your postseason roster moves. Who should be on? Who shouldn't be on? Clearly, there are some obvious ones. So don't call me up and say that you want Vladdy off the roster. Um, who are the guys you think should be on, shouldn't be on? You know, the, the, the players who are on the bubble, if you want to call it that. Keeping in mind, we know that the Blue Jays sent Santiago Espinal and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. back to Toronto yesterday. So they are working out or were working out at the Rogers Center today. Both of them are hurt. Our sense, Kevin Barker, is that Santiago Espinal is a little farther ahead than Lourdes Gurriel Jr., but we won't know more until tomorrow's workout day. And ultimately, I don't, I, I don't think the Jays have to set their roster until until uh, in, until Friday. So, in, in in point of fact, it wouldn't surprise me if we find out that the Jays are going to wait until then to give us their definite roster because they'll want to see. They'll want to give Espinal and, and Guriel another workout tomorrow and then perhaps see how they are afterwards. But uh, I'll get to the bigger picture. But first, Kevin, just wrap up these two games. Look, we said in Blair and Barker, you played in the minors for a long time. I've covered a lot of baseball. I said when we left Blair and Barker today, you know what I really want? I want Otto Lopez to have a day because <laughs> this is a guy who's put in the hard yards in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. And this is his chance. No idea about the postseason, obviously. He and Gabriel Moreno going to get a lot of work. We saw Gabriel Moreno, as I predicted, not only catch, but play left field, second base, and third base as well, because I think, Kevin, the chance of him getting in the postseason roster are really good. But I, I just want to take a few minutes to talk about Otto Lopez, because you're a baseball guy. You played the game. It's cool to see a guy you know, get his first hit in this series, his first RBI, and really just look like he was enjoying himself. Yeah, you got to have fun. You got to, you know, you got to take it in stride. And yeah, he's got some tools, right? You can tell he's got plus speed. Uh, he can play defense. He's got a good first move. His pre-pitch setup on the defensive side is really good. He can play multiple positions. He can play all three outfield positions. He can play some shortstop, which is a big deal. You can be the quarterback of the field on at shortstop and in the outfield. That's not a bad thing. And he can change a game with his legs, which is a big deal. Doesn't have a ton of power. You know, he's probably lower than a, a double-digit homer guy if he played a lot in the big leagues, which I guess is not a big deal. He's got bat-to-ball skills. You can tell that. He's got an idea with runners in scoring position. Don't overthink it. You know, his lower half is quiet. That move that he has, sort of that gather. You know, he got a little Vladdy in him. He is a little wider. With his start, but he does have a little fluition, and, you know, he's trying to do that sort of Bo Bichette thing where you get the barrel in the hitting zone way back by dropping the back elbow, and 
I don't know how you don't like it. You know, I saw him in spring training when I was down there. I liked him then. I saw him today. I like him again. Like I, you know, there's going to be a time where he's just sort of on your team or he's not. And I think he's closer to being on your team than not. And next year, I think he'll have a legitimate chance to being a part of the Blue Jays going forward. What that role is, man, could he sit over there a couple of days, come off, give you a competitive at bat, play defense, not miss a beat? I think so. I think that's sort of what you like. And, again, you know, that Bradley Zimmer effect, Otto Lopez could sort of play that kind of thing, right? He could play a little short. He could play a little outfield. He'd come off running bases. He could steal a base. He's, he could play decent enough defense. He's got a strong enough arm. Doesn't have an electric arm. He's got a strong enough arm. But I'm with you. It's just sort of fun. You, you mentioned it. I'd like to see him have a really good day. Uh, he had a great day. I, he did everything he wanted to do and then some, and he – he, you know, left a lasting impression, which is a big deal to an organization. Gabriel Moreno, we mentioned playing multiple positions. Uh, again, you know, nobody should expect to see Gabriel Moreno in left field uh, in game one of the of, of the series against the Mariners or indeed in left field at all. Uh, you know, unless, I suppose, unless the Jays were winning. We're up in the first game by, I don't know, 25 to one or something like that. Um, but it's pretty clear. That look, he's been taking fly balls in the outfield. He's been taking ground balls at multiple positions. We've already t- walked through the fact that having a third catcher on the roster appears to be coming more and more of a Slam possibility. Dunk. Well, given the fact that you'd like to have Danny Jansen's bat in the lineup, and you you want to have both Kirk and Jansen in the lineup, whether one's catching, one's DHing, and I guess it doesn't hurt to at least know that Gabriel Moreno has stood in the outfield and seen what an actual baseball game looks like from left field. He was an infielder in Venezuela, so it's not like he's never played the infield before, though clearly not at the major league level. But he hit his first home run, Kevin. And we talked about this. One of the game's top prospects, the top prospect in the organization, I know they put a lot in his plate. We kept wondering where the power was. Um, We saw that home run today. Yeah, I'm still wondering. You know, he's got that he's got that funky hand motion where that uh, whatever that thing is. I don't even really know how to explain that. I it's mean, almost it's, like it's, he take. It's almost like he 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 lifts his fingers off the bat for some bizarre reason. Like he opens his hand and rests it in his shoulder. It's really yeah, weird. I just, yeah. I'm not not sure why he doesn't. He starts it a little higher. He's wiggling it. He knows where the barrel's at, and then he goes into his leg kick and he flips it back, and it's sort of down his back a little bit more. Uh, that's a big timing issue. I think that's why you're not seeing the power. He's got sneaky pop. Anybody can go right center. I've been in Baltimore. I played there. I played there when I was young, when I was 15 in the summer ball league. I hit a home run to left field. Ball flies there, right? It's it's a it's a good park, but you go right center as a righty. I mean, that's showing you a little bit something, and that could tell you that maybe if he makes some adjustments with his hands and does a little something different, but just give himself a chance to have a little bit better uh, – turn with his lower half too sometimes you can tell he just doesn't have a good turn with his back foot right that that back knee that back hip is just not getting through the baseball right it's just being able to consistently get the head out on some velocity on balls closer to you he's not a finished product he's a young kid he makes some little minor adjustments i think he'd be okay he's very athletic you can see that you could tell that defensively i mean that play he made on the little pop-up that he had to cover uh, you know past the third base bag and he's diving uh, feet first. That's a pretty good play, right? You got to have a good first move to do that. You got to have good instincts. You got to know when to leave your feet, wearing all that gear they wear. He's a good player. You kind of like him. You kind of like what he could bring down the road a little bit, I think. 
416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590, is the text line. Stephen Hamilton, what is your confidence level now? 1-10 to 10, going into the series against the Mariners. You know, I was talking to you in the spring, and uh, we were talking about wins, and I said 92, you said that would be nice but a little optimistic. But uh, for sure, this is this is my machine here. The teams uh, really showed it in the last uh, month of the year. You know who they are more than the first month of the year, and uh, we're going in strong. And uh, with with um, the pitching one two, I'm wondering how you stack up uh, game three for for this setup with uh, with what we have in the bullpen uh, in the starters and um, with Moreno. I, I was down in Buffalo for the all spring watching them. He has got tons of power. Um, he was hitting him out on a rope. I saw him go four for five one night, walk it off in the ninth. But that last shot, it went. It, it, the guy, the guy has plenty of opposite field power. But I believe what Kevin says, he needs. He's not a finished product. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see him with the team in in the run. But uh, a half a year down in Buffalo next year, and then for sure with the organization. But uh, I'm a hundred percent stoked uh, going into the playoffs. Like I told you earlier, this is a big blue machine. When they get clicking, where we could uh, roll through the Yankees and uh, have some fun with the Dodgers. Anyways, thanks for a great year, great season. I love it. All right, thank you. We'll be around, by the way, during the postseason, so uh, call back. We'll, we'll have longer versions of Blue Jays talk following the postseason game. So don't be a stranger, Steve, mm-hmm. especially since you're from Hamilton. You're probably just... You're probably just down the road from me. Uh, yeah, yeah. We Steve mentions the rotation. We'll ne- need to get more clarity in that. We know Alec Manoa is starting game one. I think game two depends a lot on what happens in game one. Mm-hmm. It, it should. I mean, from my point of view, I if, if I'm John Schneider, I'm waiting to see what happens in game one. I'm sure I've got my two scenarios out there. You know, we lose this game. We lose game one, we go with this guy. We win game one, we go with this guy. It may be the different guy, may be the same guy. I'm sure the starting pitchers know it, but I don't expect to see John Schneider, uh, you know, uh, tip his hand to us anytime soon. I sure wouldn't. I mean, we've gone back and forth with this, Kevin. I, I think you keep Gosman for game three, but, you know, if you lose game one, uh, I'm, willing to, uh, I'm willing to entertain the possibility of going with him in game two. Uh, but I really do think it just comes down to what happens in game one. And as far as Gabriel Moreno is concerned, you know, look, this team has it's got some decisions to make in the offseason. They've got one more year of Teoscar before he's a free agent. You've got some guys at, at some point you have to have a serious discussion with them about a long-term contract. Uh, you may need to move somebody in order to get another, to get a left-handed bat in here or maybe even another starting pitcher. And it might be that Gabriel Moreno's your guy. They're not moving Ricky Tiedemann. Everybody sees him as a left-handed Alec Manoa, so Ooh. he's not going anywhere. Moreno might have a certain uh, a certain amount of value to him. Same with Aurelvis Martinez. And I don't know, maybe Otto Lopez also figures in there somehow, Kevin. 
Yeah, well, you know, you look at Moreno. He looks like a, a little bit of an average receiver and a framer. I'm not sure if that's a game changer when it comes to what you're trying to do at the big league level. And I think the, the finished product when it comes to calling a game. Is there going to be a ton of looking over at John Snyder and, and having John Snyder walk you through big parts of the game? I'm not talking about the first inning, the third inning, the fifth inning. I'm talking about crunch time, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Are you looking over in the dugout looking what – button to push that for me is the big deal and i think that's why he's not spent a bunch of time at the big league level this year now obviously the two catchers that they got have had really really good years so that's sort of hurt him being up and staying up but again just when it comes to everything that comes with being a big league catcher i just don't think he's there yet but he is very athletic you can't teach that he has that you can work with that all the other things you can teach him how to do it i just think for me anyway jeff if he could just fix a little bit of the hand motion that little funky thing he does with his hands saw it's weird uh it's useless i'm not sure why he does it maybe it's something he's always done since he's a kid it's just a habit but if he can get away with you know, eliminate maybe a little of that, that would allow him to create a little bit more backspin and maybe drive some balls and maybe be a 20-double, 15-homer guy and be that athletic. Maybe now you're talking about an everyday catcher or at least a four-day-a-week catcher. Lots of folks weighing in on the text line. Again, 590-590 is the text line. A lot of optimism regarding the series against the Seattle Mariners. Probably not a big surprise. Josh and Colon is an 8 of 10. Based on Seattle's last two weeks, he says he would keep Kikuchi instead of Mitch White. And uh, he wants Espinal on the roster, but not over Whit Merrifield. Again, let's see whether or not Santiago Espinal is healthy before we make that decision. It may be, uh, may be academic otherwise. Uh, Nicholas in Saskatchewan asked the question, Kevin, if John Schneider was manager, would this team have won 100 games? I mean, 100 games is a lot of games to win, but... They were four over under Charlie Montoyo, 18 over under John Schneider. I mean, you've got to at least entertain the possibility that they would have more wins under John let me, Schneider. Let me ask you a question. Would he have mattered Jose Barrios having a, a bad start to his season, Bo Bichette having a bad start to his season, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was still trying no. to find himself, George Springer was missing a little bit of time. I mean, those are some big deal. Jordan Romano was trying to figure out who Jordan Romano was, right? That You know, the, the routines and what it takes to be an elite closer. He's still trying to figure that out at the beginning of the season. And if you remember correctly, they were giving him some time off between outings at the end of game. So you're trying to fill in the blank there. Would that have mattered if you had a different manager? I don't know about that. I mean, I think the bullpen probably would have been used. Well, maybe it wouldn't have been used a little more differently because they didn't have Anthony Bass. And I think we underestimate the impact that Anthony Bass and Zach Pop have had on this team. Maybe not underestimate, but I think we need to mention it more than we do. Anthony Bass has come in and really settled things down. I mean, he really has. It, you could almost, it's almost like he's given Adam Simber and Trevor Richards and guys like that a little bit of a breather. Now, Adam Simber's still pitching a lot and still working a lot. But it, it's, it's a lot different having Anthony Bass there. And it I admit, I, I put my hand up because I was underwhelmed by that acquisition at the trade Me deadline. Me too. But both he and Zach Papa fit in nicely here. No question. I, I think it gives John Snyder no-brainers. You know, now you've got two eighth-inning guys that you can use one in the seventh inning, you can use one in the eighth inning, and obviously you have the Jordan Romano now. If he's not abusing the slider, 
that we all love, and we can't wait to hear the music when he's running out of the pen at home games, which hopefully you'll hear those two days in a row, and then they can eliminate the Mariners and move on. But I'm with you. Like, it just sometimes you have to have the horses, and if you don't have the horses, it's just hard to manage and be the best manager you can possibly be. And I think right now John Schneider has more weapons to go to, and they're hotter weapons. Chris and Scarborough, one to ten, your confidence level going into the series against the Mariners. Hundred and fifty percent. That's not one to ten. So I'll give you. If, I'll tell you what. Let's make it fifteen. A fifteen. How about that? A fifteen. I'll talk to you in about six weeks from now when when we're in the World Series. How about that? Okay. Well, nice. Yeah. You, you go ahead. We'll there be. There you go. Auto quarter. We'll what more could you say? Right. Everybody's exactly. firing on all cylinders. We're, we're all good to go. Uh, you want to talk about Otto Lopez? Yes. I just everything everything's firing well and we're gonna send those guys off in two games after send them get them a couple of burgers in Toronto and get them out of town. <laughs> All right, I appreciate the call. I have no idea what the burger reference is, but uh there you go. I appreciate the uh appreciate the call. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six. 0590. Kevin, you say Kikuchi. Is there any way he's on your roster? Well, you know, I'd love to say no, Jeff. You, you, you know, you know that, that, would make, that would make for so much better of a show. And then you start digging. Then you start digging into what if – if you do this roster thing and you poke at it and you really – bear down on it and you know that you have one spot available and you have two dudes that are up in the air in Santiago Espinal and Loris Gurriel Jr. who may not make the roster because of the injury. We have no idea if they're going to make it. We'll know that in a day or so. And then you look at how many lefties the Mariners could have in one lineup and how good Yusei Kikuchi's been against lefties and how out of the pen he's striking out about 40% of batters that he's faced coming out of the pen. Would I dare say Jeff, it's, that they could throw him on a roster and be able to throw to people like uh, uh, Santana, Toro, Crawford, Trammell, Frazier. Like, there's some switch hitters, but there's a bunch of lefties that they have. If you are as good as John Snyder is at lining the dudes up to pitch the certain guys, right? You get two lefties and a righty. I don't know. Dare I say it? I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers, and you know he has been better here down the stretch. You're right. Uh, I, I guess you have to ask yourself this. Three-game series against the Mariners. Is there a greater likelihood that you will need, you say, Kikuchi to do something for you than Bradley Zimmer? to do something for you in the other side. Um, I think we've talked ourselves into Gabriel Moreno. Look, I think the bullpen, and, and we walked through this before the show, right? Romano Garcia, Bass, Simber, Mesa, Phelps, Pop, and Richards. That gives you eight. Mesa's is a lefty. Richards has got the changeup that can be effective to, to lefties. So that's your bullpen right now. Manoa, Gosman, Stripling, Barrios, Kirk Jansen, Moreno, Vladdy, Merrifield, Bichette, Chapman, Biggiote, Oscar Springer, Tapia, JBJ, and Zimmer. You got room for a couple of more guys. Now, maybe one of Espinal or Gurriel is healthy. Let's say, for argument's sake, Espinal is. Then it comes down to Kikuchi or Otto Lopez. So perhaps there is. Perhaps there is a way. Perhaps there is a way for you, say, Kikuchi to get on here. But I'm asking, as I look at this, which pitcher would you 
would you take him over? Okay, okay. Or we, would we you had sacrifice Al- a position player and go we, with nine we had, relievers? We had Alex Anthopoulos on today, and the first thing we asked him – well, I, I think I asked him the question is, how, how do you make out a roster? And the first thing he says is he goes to the manager, they have a conversation, and he asks the manager – how do how would you justify using a guy in a big spot? If you can justify that, I'll put him on the roster. I will ask you, Jeff, if Tim Mays is saying the first game throws 30 pitches and can't throw in the second game, and you would need a lefty to come in in the seventh inning and throw to two lefties and a righty, would you be comfortable enough, if you're John Snyder, to go to you, say, Kikuchi? If the answer to that is yes then maybe. If you're shaking your head like you are right now, then your answer is absolutely not, and you take either Lourdes, Bradley Jr., Bradley Zimmer, <laughs> Bradley Jr., Bradley Zimmer, <laughs> Santiago Espinal, however you want to mix and match, and, and whoever's the healthiest, and, and you live and die by that. Yeah, yeah, I look, if it wasn't for the three batter minimum, you say, seriously, if it wasn't for the three batter minimum, you say Kikuchi would be in my team. Okay, I'm going to ask he, you a different he would, way. He would. What, would you be okay, say, no. facing Raleigh, who has like 20-ish home runs, who's the switch catcher it. for – well, he's a lefty. He's not a switcher. Is he a lefty? I'm yeah, sorry. He's a lefty. Yeah, he Tra- right, uh, right. Adam Frazier or J.P. Crawford, would you be okay in a big spot throwing Yusei Kikuchi in facing one of those three guys? For me, the answer uh, to that is absolutely not. I don't see the consistent velocity. Yeah. Now, if that thing was sitting at about 97 because he's eliminated the cutter and he's got the big yacker now in the slider that he likes to throw a lot, I'm okay with that. But now you're starting to see more 94s than you are 97s, and I just think they can go different routes. They have other guys who can get lefties out, switch hitters out, and I have more faith, and I'm sure John Snyder would have more faith in those guys than they would Yusei Kikuchi. So the answer to your question is no. Russ from Burlington says his confidence level's at a 10. If we can't win a three-game playoff at home, we don't deserve to be there. Drop Zimmer, keep Moreno, Barker's a beauty, go Hokies. Love it. Well, that Hokies thing, man. You watch the – I mean, it's embarrassing. It makes me a front runner where I only pay attention when, you know, it's like for three downs, and then I see him chuck a ball in the the stands and I don't watch anymore. Cam in Ontario, you've got a prediction for us. What's your confidence level? in the uh, Jays against the Mariners? I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10. None of this like 150% stuff, an 8 out of 10. Um, they're rolling. Every, everyone knows they're rolling. But you got to respect what Seattle's done. Um, they're kind of stumbling into the playoffs here. They had what we all kept saying, the easiest schedule, and there's no way that they couldn't finish in the, their, the first spot, I should say, of the wild card. And they stumbled. Who was saying that? Who was saying uh, that? Barker must have been saying that, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he speaks a lot of stuff on uh, Monday to Friday, but hey, it keeps entertained at work. And, You're um, welcome. <laughs> but hey, the whole rotation thing. Stripling has neutralized Big Bat game in and game out. We keep making this big deal of if Stripling can do it, if Barrios can do it. I think we all need to keep it simple. Be quiet and let them do their thing. They're great pitchers. Like you look around the league, I'll I'll take Shipling and Barrios over most of what the Cardinals are going to throw out or the Phillies are going to throw out, right? So eight out of ten, they'll be fine. Seattle will play them tough, and game three is no big deal. And did you really think 
that uh, the Kentucky Wildcats would have a better football team than the Hoagies? <laughs> Push the button. Hang up on him. Push the button. <laughs> hey, thanks, thanks, boys. Really appreciate Take it. Care. Keep it up, eh? Thanks, thanks for the Dan, call. Appreciate it. Yeah. I don't know about the Hoagies. That's bad. Oh, that's when true. That's terrible. They're, ter- they're a, terrible. They're terrible. They're terrible. Bit of a they're running terrible. joke. I don't, I don't think it's a – it's not a question anymore confidence? about stripling. No, I was going to say. I, I uh, like – I think I stopped asking or wondering about whether or not what we were seeing with Ross Stripling was fool gold, fool's gold probably about a month ago, maybe a little more than that. You kept waiting for that real stinker, and then you wanted to see how he responded to that stinker. Kevin, he's just been – he's so composed. The team obviously likes playing behind him. He gets a good rhythm going. He can be he's he's gotta be an he's gotta be a really difficult pitcher for a lot of hitters to face because he's got that assortment of pitches that he will literally throw any time. Yeah, he's got a little something for everybody. He's got a lot of confidence in throwing it. And I, and I do like that he's added pitches throughout the season, which will tell you he's not thinking about his mechanics anymore. You know, he went through that thing where he's tipping his pitches and his hand would go over the build of his cap. It was a breaking ball, it was a fastball. If you doing this. So he's figured all that out. He's a lot of confidence in in throwing that. He doesn't have to throw 95. Occasionally you'll see some 94s, but it's mainly 91, 92. He's locating that a little bit better. He can miss location now that he's mechanically sound. He's hiding the baseball the way he's supposed to be hiding it. Uh, The the two-seamer that he's added, that little cut slider thing that he throws. So he can go into a righty. He can go away to a righty with the slider. He can elevate the four-seamer. He's got the weapon in the changeup. He's got that big slow hacker that he can throw early in counts and still a strike i'm with you i it's just the question of if they win game one do you feel comfortable enough for of him that you can go out and eliminate the mariners in two games that's the question for me without throwing kevin gosman yeah boy i don't know bark i go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in this but um my thought process is how can i and I hate to do this because you can't look ahead. I understand that you can't look ahead. But you almost have to, in a three-game series followed by a five-game series, you almost have to look ahead, especially if you win the first game. And, and I need to have Kevin Gossman available for two games in that five-game series. You know, I, I need to get, out of five games, I need to get at least three starts out of Manoa and Gossman combined. However, Whatever I have to do to do that. I've 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 got to do that and yeah I just think you have to wait until you see what happens in that in that first game before you before you make a call uh the schedule is out by the way for the playoffs and I know Ben covered this but we should remind you uh, those of you who are just getting home or perhaps still stuck in traffic because it is Toronto uh the game one of the best of three series will be at four o'clock on Friday. Game two is four o'clock on Saturday. Sunday's game three, if necessary, is a two o'clock. Well, they're 407, 407. It's a 207 first pitch on Sunday. The Jays and Mariners will be the first game out of the gate on Sunday, which means that that's what? That's 1130 Seattle time uh, for the folks uh, back on the West Coast. But there you go. Four o'clock, 407 Friday, 407 Saturday. 207 Sunday, 
The Mariners and the Jays are expected to work out tomorrow at the Rogers Center. We already mentioned Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Santiago Espinal were sent home ahead of the team. Uh, I presume they worked out today under the eyes of somebody in the training staff and put through their paces, put through their routines, and we'll wait to see what John Schneider has to say about about their health. But as I said, the, the indications we were getting, Kevin, where that Espinal was more likely than Guriel of the two uh, to 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 be healthy enough to go on the roster. And again, there's no point in putting somebody on the roster and hoping they're healthy for Game Three. If you you don't, if a guy can't help you in Game One, he shouldn't be in the roster. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it's very hard for us to talk about this when when we have no idea if two guys are healthy or not. But there is one spot to fill. How do you fill that spot? If those two, both of those guys are healthy, that would mean Zimmer is probably off of the roster. If only one's healthy, then you take Zimmer and that guy. So it's intriguing just because I think we've come to the realization that they're taking three catchers. That that is seems like that's very important because of the way they want to make out their lineup and and they want both of the main catchers in the game at the same time. So yeah, you know it's 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 going to come down to who who best player comes up big or they need a surprise they need some good pitching if they have that with the crowd at the Rogers Center they'll probably win the first two games the Jays and the Orioles split a doubleheader on the final day of the regular season Toronto beating the Orioles 5-1 in the nightcap Baltimore beating Toronto 5-4 in the first game 162 games in the bag the Jays 92 and 70 most wins in a season since 2015 46 and 28 under John Schneider. Three games against the Seattle Mariners Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if necessary. Three game wild card series at the Rogers Center. The first two games are at 4 o'clock, 4 07, I should say, Friday and Saturday. A 207 start, if necessary, on Sunday. Still got some time to take your calls and your texts. 416 870 0590, star 590, 1 590. 590-590 is the text line. Please, please include your name and location if you're sending us a text. It's Blue Jays Talk on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Pitchers were pretty efficient with their, you know, their pitch count. Um, you know, guys got the at-bats they needed, and, you know, we've been talking, and it's, it's such a different animal come Friday night. Whether you haven't played in four or five days or if you played 18 innings today, you're going to be ready to go. So, um, but all things considered, yeah, we wanted to get guys in, stay sharp, get guys at-bats that worked out good. Boy, oh, boy, John Schneider sounding like a guy who's so happy game 162 is in the bag. Nobody got hurt. No question. He didn't have George Springer wrapped in bubble wrap, but he didn't play. He didn't That's play. That's good enough. That's got good everybody enough. in and out. Got a little tune up for some of the uh, some of the players that needed it. And as we said, um, just a good, just fun, fun, fun to see Gabriel Moreno and Otto Lopez do what they did. I it, just, it was that that, that leaves you feeling that leaves you feeling good. And uh, you know we're not overplaying the Otto Lopez thing. I just. Uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking back to a conversation we had with Dave Jouse. Uh, this is like a couple of years ago. Dave Jouse was managing in winter ball, and he had Vladdy with him, and Vladdy was playing third base. This was just after Vladdy's first year in the majors. And we had Dave Jouse on, longtime baseball guy. He's the guy that was throwing to Pete Alonso uh, during the home run derby. Uh, just like a legendary 
coach, manager, on-field guy, and and really mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 BP pitcher, just a machine. Anyhow, he was managing this team, and we were asking him about Vladdy Jr., and he was raving about Vladdy Jr., and then he paused and said, but I got another guy from the Blue Jays organization on my team who is actually playing more than Vladdy right now and is actually really impressive, and it was Otto Lopez. Mm-hmm. And that was when we first kind of tweaked on to, to what he was about. And then, of course, you find out he's a kid who was born in Canada, um, Dominican parents. He may play for Canada in the world, the world Baseball Classic. He's a guy, again, Kevin, we talked about this. We've seen him in spring training a couple of times. Your attention's always drawn to him, like he's doing something. And I just think it's cool that the guy's been in the minors all the time and was called up a couple of weeks ago. It just gets a chance to go out there and play. I just, it, It's great, man. It's a good story. I think, it, I think it's a really good story. And, uh, you know, in addition to getting through these two games without anybody getting hurt and everybody getting their tune-up, Otto Lopez left a really good impression on people today. And that's not a bad thing, Kevin. You know, he's 20, what is he, 24, 25 years old? He's in an old organization. Enough. He's got in an organization with a lot of young players. That's not a bad thing to put that, that, that positive impression in people's, in people's heads. It's not at all. Yeah, he's either now he's he's sort of rubber met the road where he's either a big leaguer or he's not, and I think he's in that direction of a big leaguer. And now the Bet Three Six Five standings update with Bet Three Six Five. You can watch thousands of games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's being played. Nineteen plus, play responsibly. Ontario only. We really don't need the standings. Y'all know what the standings are. Y'all know who's in and who isn't in. But I will mm-hmm. give you Friday's schedule for your planning purposes the tampa bay rays and the cleveland guardians got things going at 1207 stay hot (laughs) kidding me 12 o'clock you win your division oh by the way you got to play at 12 o'clock yeah stay hot is right tampa bay and cleveland at 1207 philly and st louis at 207 mariners and jays at 407 surprise surprise the mets and the padres are the prime time game Uh, it can't be any surprise with that big new york that big new york tv market Let's get back to the phone lines very quickly, though, Kev. We got our MVP's most improved player and biggest surprises with the Blue Jays. Let's rattle through that quickly. I'll give you mine first, then we'll go to you. My MVP, got to be Alec Manoa. Got to be Alec Manoa is my most valuable player. Don't want to think of where this team would be without him. Most improved player, it's got to be Ross Stripling, from my way of thinking. And biggest surprise, hey, I was the guy that didn't think Alejandro Kirk was going to be able to hold up the rigors of catching. He kept body and soul together while Danny Jansen was hurt. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, I understand he may be a little bit of a – he may have quietened off or cooled off a little bit right now, but that's a big surprise to me that he was able to do what he's done. Yeah, you, I think you, you heard me saying that mine was Alec Manoa and you stole it. Did, is, that, is that what happened there? No, we're both going to agree in Manoa. Well, I, 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 I think it's Manoa. The only other guy I would think it was Bo Bichette for his hot streak. But, you know, what do you do with the first four months of the season, right? Yeah, can, I'm, I'm going to go Alec Manoa. Can I give Ross Stripling both of the other two awards? Sure you can. Absolutely. I'm going to give I'm going to give Ross both of them because I thought the other guys that play on this team, I thought they should have done exactly what they are doing, which is have good seasons. So I'm going to go with both of the Ross Stripling getting two awards from Kevin Barker. There you go. Most surprising player, most improved player. Like there it is. Alec Manoa, MVP. Jason and Markham, what's your confidence level going into this Mariners series? One, two, ten. Uh, I'm going to say an eight. I'm going to say an eight. I've watched the I've watched us swing at a lot of bad pitches this year, so 
that's still got a place in my in my mind. But uh, no, an eight. Um, thanks for taking the call. Uh, I'm glad I could get through. Wanted to just thank both of you for uh, doing yeoman's work through 162. No, thanks. Um, you guys kind of finish it off. You know, you're like the mayo on the sandwich. Um, it's it's nice to end a game, learn a little, laugh a little. Uh, so there you go. Thank you very much to both Thank of you. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. That's and, nice. And secondarily, it's funny you're going on. I, I tell you, if, if they wanted to make a really ballsy move right now, you, you leave Calvin Biggio off for these three games and you put Lopez on. Because I yeah. personally don't think Biggio has given a decent at-bat in two weeks. And uh, it just maybe he has. Maybe I'm overreacting. But, boy, that kid's dynamic. And you, you talk about all the different things he can do on the field and – you know, I, I don't know. I just, but I, I get the chemistry and et cetera with Biggio. I kind of think I guess he's one of the guys. So probably don't make a move like that right now. But that kid, man, he brings an awful lot to the table. Yeah, he's a. Thanks for the call and thanks for the kind words. He's a lot of fun. Kevin Biggio has the big benefit of batting left-handed. I think that's that's important, given the way this team is is composed. And I've also got to say this. I also have to say this. I don't mind having the ball hit to Kevin Biggio. And for that reason, I think Kevin Biggio's got a spot in this. Uh, well, I, I know he's got a spot in the postseason roster. But that's one of the reasons as well. I don't know about you, Kevin. I have no problem when the ball's hit to him. The right decision's going to be made. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, I, I don't think we should let a couple of games from Otto Lopez, you know, sway us in a different mm-hmm. direction. But I do like Otto. I, he brings something. He's very athletic, and he can change a game with his legs. I like that too. Kevin in Massachusetts, you want to talk about Ross Atkins' trade deadline? Yes. How are you doing, guys? Everything we're is doing here. well. I'm glad Thanks, to chase. Uh, my my question was back in J- July when they picked up Pop Pass and Maryfield. Everyone thought, oh God, these guys are they're not going to add to the team. Who said but that? I, I don't believe Mike. anybody said that. <laughs> I said you at the time said... it was the best trade deadline I've seen a general manager have. No, no, no. I remember no, you I guys didn't? said that Maryfield was uh, was a poor right-handed pickup because oh. they already had enough right-handed hitters. Anyways, yeah. that's sure not that the wasn't somebody else. Yeah. That Anyhow, was... go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I'm pulling your leg. Anyways, my question to you is: You tell me. I'm going to tell you what my turning point of the season was. It was in Tampa Bay. When Merrifield hit that three-run home run, and I'll hang up, and I want to hear your what do you guys think your turning point in the season was? Thank you. Ooh, good question. Thanks, thanks, Kevin. Uh, turning point for me is that doubleheader, man. That that that, that the, the the games in Pittsburgh and that doubleheader in Baltimore. The the, the games are Bobichet just kind of rose like the phoenix out of the ashes of the 2022 season <laughs> and ended up. Yeah, I know I'm overplaying it, but you know what I mean. I I think that was where the turnaround happened, Kevin. I really do. Yeah, I, I think those are all good choices. But for me, I think when Ross Stripling became the Ross Stripling that is now, that for me is when this team sort of was solidified and you had three legit guys and Jose Barrios trying to figure it out. If Ross Stripling's not in the rotation, where would they be, Jeff? Like, yeah. seriously, where where would they have been, you know, trying to even get to a playoff spot? It'd be very tough. And, and for them to have home field advantage, he has a giant thing to do with that. So, for me, I just think it's when Ross turned into the Ross that we want to pitch game two or three. But I like your guys' choices, too. I, th- I think you can you can pick it a couple of different ways. It is it is just very, you know, surprising whenever you start to see your best players being your best players, how good your team can look. Yeah, and, and further to Kevin's point as well, Kevin from Massachusetts, further to your point, 
yeah, listen, I, I will I will put my hand up. I was completely unimpressed with the Blue Jays trade deadline, mostly because I really wanted them to get Luis Castillo. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Whit Merrifield didn't impress the hell out of me. I think at one point I wasn't the only one saying, man, I'd almost rather have Max Castillo here just because there was nobody else to start. But Zach Pop, I think Zach Pop is something else. I think Zach Pop next year is going to have a major, major role in this bullpen. Anthony Bass is going to be a big guy in the playoffs for this team. And what else can you say about Whit Merrifield? He's mm-hmm. basically, he has basically knocked an all-star out of a starting job. Now, I know Espinal got hurt, but he was an all-star. And people weren't pining for his immediate return because Whit Merrifield was doing the job. That bottom of the order... Tapia, Merrifield, Jansen, all those guys. They got a lot going on there. I, I, Listen, this team is playing its best baseball at the right time. Bam! That's, that's you nailed it, Jeff. Out. You nailed it. I did indeed. We'll attempt to nail it again tomorrow. Blair and Barker from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays baseball served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side baseball fans. <laughs>